everybody, welcome back to New Sprint Commando. This is episode 15, our final Capital Comics portion of our first chapter of the show. Badger Volume 1, Issue 4, cover dated thanks to the Grand Comics database by way of Amazing Heroes, Issue 42, April 1984. Uh, looks like the new stand on sale date was March 1, 1984, actually. The title of the story is Dogfight, scripted for us by Mike Barron, penciled and inked by Jeff Butler, colors by Les Dorscheid, letters by Mary Pullian. On the cover, we have, uh, that's kind of an interesting image. We have in the background, black and white image of two dogs fighting, both of them standing on their hind legs, clawing at each other. Uh, below that, in and more to the foreground, we have an image of the badger and, um, yeah, I can't remember his name, dude from the story that are fighting in a ring, which never occurred, with money down on the ground, which that that they fought, but they didn't fight in a ring like this. The uh, next page is the editorial. Uh, some interesting tidbits here thrown at us by Mr. Bruning. Uh, the next two issues of The Badger will be penciled and inked by Bill Reinhold and Jeff D. And in a recent story from the second... Bear with me here while I find it. Yes, the second issue, there was a Badger's Tale short story with art by Charles Trog. Well, he was snatched up by Marvel's Epic to illustrate Steve Englehart's Coyote. Uh, now, I remember back in the day that I enjoyed Coyote quite a bit when it was coming out and subsequently have acquired and reread it several times over the years. Um, I didn't necessarily recall that Charles Truog was the artist, but so be it. Um, and there is scheduled to be a Badger team up with Coyote, which I don't remember. It's been several years since I have read Coyote. I don't remember there being a Badger Coyote team up, but it makes me uh, want to dig those out and flip through them to see when and where that occurred, if it actually did. So uh, there's an interesting connection uh, for me personally as well. Also, um, Bill Reinhold and Jeff D are coming to Capital Comics from Noble slash Texas Comics. That will be the company that I go to next, as the next books that I will be talking about will be the five-issue Justice Machine title uh, that came out from Noble Comics. So those are what is the next chapter for the Newsprint Commando coverage after this one. So after this issue will be, after this episode, um, I will be talking about the Justice Machine issue one from Noble Comics with a Gustavich cover. But before that, we have Badger number four to talk about and an interesting letter um, as well. So we open up with uh, a sedan being driven by Dude uh, and a Sheik, Sheik Fawd, F-A-W-D, in Lafayette County, southern Wisconsin. Um, Dude gets a name here in a minute, Mr. Avery. That's his name. Mr. Avery and Sheik Fawd traveling to some property that Mr. Avery owns with a, uh, they're traveling with the dog Spike. Uh, Spike appears to be the same breed of dog that the, um, the Budweiser dog was, Spuds McKenzie. Um, it appears to be the same kind of dog that Spuds McKenzie was, I think. I'm not sure. I didn't look it up. I'm not, 
you know, too versed on dog breeds. But we go inside and we see that Mr. Avery is indeed in charge of a dog fighting ring. And the ring physically that the dogs fight in matches the ring that Badger and Big Dude were fighting in on the cover. We have an image of two dogs here going at it, and this image, washed in only the pen black and white, is the dog fighting image from the cover that I spoke on. It's over very quickly, uh, the dog fight. We don't see it. We, we see the reaction from the crowd. A gentleman here is waiting for Mr. Avery, a Mr. Dean, who apparently has lost in the past with his dog, and uh, he wants to go up against Spike. Uh, Dean's dog's name is Bilko. Mr. Avery's dog's name is Spike. Apparently, anybody can fight Mr. Avery's Spike if they have $1,000 to put up. That is the entry fee. So Dean has put the money together to give Bilko a try. I guess maybe, I, I, I can't tell if they have fought before and Dean has lost, or if he's always wanted to and now finally has the money. One or the other. Uh, Sheik Fawd decides that he wants some of the action and puts the puts uh, money on Spike. We don't really know how much money. Uh, Dean is quite the um, yeah quite quite the guy. He tells Pamela Sue, "You sexy thing, just watch my Bilko strut his stuff. Then you and me are gonna party." She says, "Dean, maybe if you got sandblasted and steam cleaned and had a total personality transplant." Dean responds, "Hey, don't be that way, Pamela Sue." In 10 minutes, I'll have enough cash to buy you a dinner in Chicago. Candles and red wine at the top of the rock. I'm not sure I understand all of that, but okay. So I guess they must be in some portion of Wisconsin that is close to Chicago. Uh, They go at it, Spike and Bilko, or or they're about to go at it, but then somebody from behind uh, Mr. Avery says, I have $2,000, and I say my dog can take Spike. Then he can take Bilko. Bim, bam. And it's the badger with a jacket on and uh, full page spread. And we look all the way down here at the bottom of the page. And the badger's dog is a badger. And uh, he indicates that it's not a badger. It's a glout hound. G-L-O-U-T. Glout hound. So he's uh, badger is interacting with various people. He's never been here before. So people are questioning who he is. You know, are you law enforcement or whatever? Uh, some people are making fun of the badger. Uh, that's when he says it's a glout hound, not a badger. And we have some some fisticuffs. Someone confronts badger here and he quickly takes them out. He's backed up by a dude in a wearing a Buffy's jacket with a glass bottle who badger kicks. Uh, another dude attacks Badger with a wrench. Badger takes him out. Another dude attacks Badger with a switchblade. Badger takes him out and has a front kick that is much better illustrated than that horrendous roundhouse kick that was illustrated last issue uh, that the uh, that Jabber laid on somebody. This is a much better front kick illustration. So they're all done here, and Avery says, okay, okay. Uh, you can call that critter a chocolate pudding and put a cherry on it, but I ain't putting my spike in the ring with it. Well, Dean says, I'll put Bilko up to it. And so Bilko and the the glout hound, um, let's see, does he call it something? I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Let me flip through here. Percy. <laughs> Percy the glout hound is, is what Badger says that that, that, that is. So we, we have Percy and Bilko in the ring together, about to go at it. 
Pamela Sue's over here on the side. She she handles the money. Uh, I guess everybody trusts her. They're they're handing her the money, and everybody's watching as things are about to go down. And Percy and Bilko face off. And we've got uh, Percy here hissing, and then the badger whistles, and Bilko, who interestingly enough, huh? Okay, uh, Bilko flips over on his back and just lays there uh, like he's playing dead or something. Dean walks up and is trying to make Bilko fight by kicking it. Badger gets pissed and approaches him, and Dean pulls out a pistol. Uh, Percy, the glout hound, attacks the lower extremities of Dean, biting him, and then Badger up top delivers a uh, right cross to the jaw, and Dean drops the pistol. He's eh, pretty much knocked out. Badger just walking off, and Pamela Sue comes running up to him, kissing up to him. Uh, says she likes a man of action. Asks his story, and he says, I needed some money. I borrowed $2,000 from my boss. I borrowed the badger from the forest. Now I'm heading back into Madison to catch Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, a Warren Oates classic. A lot of these things I just I don't get, I, so they're, they're over my head. I'm not, I'm not going to research every little thing like that because I'll forget most of it. But if you guys are interested, look it up. Let me know, you know, if it's any good or whatever, anything about it. Maybe it's just creators, Mike Barron, injecting personality. Maybe it has some uh, sideways relevance, you know, to the story. It's hard to tell. But uh, Pamela Sue's all over uh, Badger here as they're taking Badger's Jeep to Buffy's, uh, the bar that was emblazoned on the back of the jacket of one of the dudes that just attacked Badger back at the uh, at the dogfight. So she escorts Badger in, and, and everybody knows her. Passes the barkeep Rudy and goes in. He rec- uh, the the there's a a door, a secret door, you know, with a secret knock and all that. Hooey palooey. Um, the person who looks out knows her, and they go in, and there's this huge really swanky casino under this divey looking bar out in the middle of southern Wisconsin. Curious how that works sometimes, eh? Um, yeah, really, really nice looking casino. So she continues escorting Badger. Um, Pete, the barkeep, the bartender, knows her. She goes up to get a get a drink uh, or get drinks for them. An hour later, we're told, and we see that the Badger is uh, telling her that uh, the way I see it, what's really killing the dairy industry, it's those suckers who steal the plastic milk crates. (laughs) She says, fascinating. Go on. (laughs) Sorry. He just, yeah, Badger is, he's weird. Uh, Somebody walks up and says, hey, hey, Badger, you smell like a damn Badger and smacks him on the back. Badger gives him an elbow to the nose, breaking it, and then a pretty severe kick to the midsection or groin area, whatever, lifts the dude up um, nearly over Badger's head. He kicked him so hard. Somebody's clapping in the background, and we see it's Avery with some other young lady and the sheik, and uh, turns out that, here's his name, Avery knows Herkimer Kropensky, uh, who is a dog. No, he's a he's a big dude. Um, Human, uh, human cockfighting apparently is what Avery's really into, and this is his uh, chief rooster. So we say he's a big guy. He's got a weight belt on with uh, leather gauntlets, uh, normal-looking pants, and some uh, excuse me, some cow pie shit kicker-looking rubber boots. But he's got a uh, pink 
t-shirt on with a red heart in the middle of it on his chest. Crew cut, blonde haired dude, big square jaw guy, kind of like Jack Reacher. Uh, I, th- this is a really good example of a Jack Reacher kind of dude. You know, somebody going 6'5", 240, uh, to Badgers, you know, I don't know, 5'10", 5'11", 190. So they, they go at it here. Um, first couple panels, the Badger is, is holding his own, but then there's a, a two-page spread with uh, five to 15 panels, looks like, and Badger just gets the crap beat out of him. So much so that at one point he's talking and he's cross-eyed, and I think that is to signify that he's losing his touch with reality. What little touch that he he does have, and he's going mad in the moment which I believe is going to be a character trait of Badger when he's pushed far enough. He just, he goes into almost a, uh, excuse the the correlation, a Wolverine berserker mode, but uh, it's not berserker, it's insanity because uh, the Badger is supposed to be insane. Although, you know, for the most part, he seems pretty with it. So he now cuts loose with the dude and just beats him up to the extent that uh, there's one panel here that, uh, Rapinski is laying on the ground face down and Badger's jumping up and down on his back. So he gets called off. Badger gets called off by Pamela Soon, go and confronts Avery and uh, to, to get some, some winnings. And then he, he leaves. He puts his jacket back on and whatever. He doesn't look too much the worse for wear, actually. Goes outside to his Jeep and Pamela Sue's waiting. She, he says, what are you doing here? Get, get out of here. She says, uh, I still dig lone wolf types. Let's go get a pizza. Make it to go. Whatever. Uh, so the sheik uh, leaves Avery, jumps into his uh, female chauffeured long car here, takes a disguise off, and we find out it, it's Ham, the weather wizard. And with all the shenanigans tonight, he indicates he's made, or they've made, since they're all together, $75,000. So he has Spike here, not Bilko, which is who lost to the Badger, but he has Spike, Avery's dog. I, interesting switch. And leads Spike into the house, you know, lets him roam the house. Well, the next morning, um, Daisy is typing up her latest journal entry on Ham, the 5th century druid, who she is really there to investigate, if we remember the first issue. And in her diary, she's typing, this is 51784. So this came out in April, and we are seeing something occurring the middle of May. Hmm. Pam and Sykes, in his guise as the Badger, have perpetrated a bizarre con game on Carl Avery, a local gambler. Avery has a long criminal record and was named an unindicted co-conspirator in a grand jury investigation into illegal gambling in Wisconsin in 1982. He's suspected to be the central figure in an extensive dogfighting ring. For some time, Sykes has been incensed at the existence of illegal dogfights in the upper Midwest Dot, 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 dot. So, so that explains, you know, why all of this occurred here. Finally, twenty uh, some pages in, you know, Badger just pops up with a badger as a dog at a dogfight outdoors. Now we kind of see why. So Sykes pops in on uh, Daisy here. Uh, they do a little chit chat, and Sykes asks, uh, "Where's the Where's the dog? Where's Spike?" And she says, "Well, Ham's got him there up on the parapet, whatever." And uh, Badger just goes, "Ape poo," and we find out why because as he's beating on the locked door, it locks from the outside, from the parapet side, this big door, rather than the 
inside the castle side. I thought that was kind of weird. But Ham is out there getting ready to perform uh, some kind of uh, thing, and he needs the dog blood or dog entrails or the heart or whatever so he got this dog because he's going to kill it to do this this thing with here but uh badger breaks down the door and goes to save the dog and he and ham um are about to go at it ham's using the knife uh, that he was going to kill the dog with and he starts casting a, a spell he he gets really weird snaky looking eyes and here again badger's eyes cross or norbert's eyes cross he's he's losing control as he's about to fight ham but ham says that he's going to whisk him away um to limbo for his own good and and let him cool off perhaps a few weeks in limbo shall cure the badger of his dementia um daisy meanwhile has uh come upstairs also and gets Ham to let the dog loose, let the dog into her um, soothing hands, and she carries the dog off. We have a final, is it a final? Yeah, the final is a full page of Ham atop the parapet with a trailing magical cloud uh, trail showing where Norbert the Badger has gone. And actually what he did is he sent him into limbo, but he pops up in Issue six of Nexus. That's how the badger got there. So uh, I guess in reading, we should have read this before Nexus, but in publishing, Nexus came out before this. So there we are. Uh, now, as far as the letters, there's uh, four letters on the letters page. But what got my attention was one from Stephen Scott Bo Smith, B-E-A-U, Bo Smith. Those of you that are a little bit longer in the tooth in comic books probably recognize that name. Uh, he's been around comics for quite a while. He was with Image for a while, uh, had an office job at Image. He has had office jobs at several companies. He's written uh, for several companies. And what always prominently comes to my mind is Bo Smith wrote the um, Guy Gardner series for DC, where Guy Gardner was that found himself to be that weird alien, alien warrior, and he could make uh, weapons of his body. Uh, Guy Gardner Warrior? Was that the name of it? Something like that. But that was Bo Smith. But also, intriguing to me is that Bo Smith was born and grew up, for the most part, perhaps lived his whole life in West Virginia, outside the city of Huntington. Now, at the time that he submitted this letter, he's living in Barbersville, which is on one side of Huntington, West Virginia. Currently, he lives in Sarita Canova, which is on the other side of Huntington. And I first ran into uh, the name, and actually personally, Bo Smith, in the early 90s when I was living in Huntington. So, some funky little circles going on there. Uh, recently, he has turned up at a comic convention that recently started in Huntington. It's about five or six years old. And Bo Smith has been there every year, um, as has Billy Tucci, because Bo Smith and Billy Tucci are good friends. And uh, Bo talked Billy into being there. So every year uh, that I have attended, and except for one year, uh, and the world is burning down pandemic years when they didn't have the convention. Uh, I had attended every year, like five, five in a row, I think. So I got to meet uh, Bo Smith and Billy Tucci every year for five years. That was kind of cool. Talked about some things. Found out that Bo had a public access comic book based TV show um, on TV in Huntington in the early 90s when I was there. 
but I found out after the fact I, I never had a chance to watch it or anything like that. I, I asked if there's copies of the show anywhere, anything, and, and uh, Bo says no. You know, not not that he's aware of. He certainly doesn't have any, and he's never heard of there being any copies online or anything like that for it, which is which is too bad. Uh, an early '90s public access TV show would rock because you would hear people talking about the beginnings of Image, which of course this year is celebrating their 30th anniversary. So that would that would be cool to go and watch and listen. Younger fans talking about that Image. Uh, thing that just ran through the country for uh, 92, 93, 94 there, the first couple, couple three years. Um, the, th- this issue held my interest. This was cool. Uh, it, was a, it was a one-off as far as the story. Now he is over in the uh, Badger, is over with Nexus. So he's probably going to be, uh, or not probably, but he's going to be in the second and third part of that story there. This uh, as I indicated, is the last issue of Badger at Capital Comics. It is the last issue of anything for Capital Comics that I'm going to be talking about. Badger does continue as well over at uh, First Comics with a with issue number five, cover dated. Uh, May 1985. This issue four is cover dated April 1984. So again, about a year. So in a year, um, Badger and Nexus pop up at First Comics. Uh, In about a year and a half, the concluding issue of Whisper shows up at First Comics. But that will conclude, this will conclude, I should say, uh, my coverage of Capital Comics. I've spoken on the 15 issues that they put out from cover date November 1981 through cover date April 1984, about two and a half years, uh, to put out 15 issues. They tried it. I guess they didn't like it. They stopped it and didn't didn't publish anymore. That was the last thing that they published. Now, as I indicated, the uh, next chapter of the show will be discussing the five issues of Justice Machine that came out through Noble Comics slash Texas. They're related somehow. Um, now, this is this is another cool kind of circuitous circle, whatever the word is, um, connection for me personally. Uh, these five issues of Justice Machine I hadn't until recently read. However, the next volume of Justice Machine, the Texas annual and then the um oh the publisher is escaping me was it Kamiko? i think it was Kamiko. yeah uh that put out a four issue mini series of justice machine included my all-time favorite superhero group the elementals uh, that Kamiko continued on coverage now that Texas Comics Annual and the Justice Machine miniseries featuring the Elementals was discussed by myself, Joe Crawford, and Kurt on Joe Crawford's 21st Century Boys Cancelled Comics Cavalcast Issue 1. So we're, we're all winding this uh, together here. And that was basically their, their thought was to cover that book. I threw out some ideas and they, they latched onto that. So 
more more connections. Uh, now, stepping back to this volume of Justice Machine, it's five issues. The first three issues were magazine size and uh, of, of nature inside. They were that uh, newsprint color. Um, but the other two issues of the series, issues four and five, were color, and they came out on a more Mando kind of paper and more typically comic-y size, I guess, because uh, at two, what are these, two and 225 apiece, these magazine size issues uh, weren't economical for them, so they cut it down. And then, and then as far as I know, there's one other property that Noble Comics put out besides this, and that was it. So they were... Uh, actually even shorter lived than what the Camp Capital Comics production was. Now, um, Justice Machine are the only noble books I'm going to talk about, not that other property. Something Cobalt Blue, I think, comes to mind as being the other property. Um, and I think it crossed over, or it, it was a flip book with issue four or issue five, and I don't have those two issues in front of me to check, of this uh, Justice Machine series. I don't know if Cobalt Blue ever had its own book or not through Noble. If it did, it was just very few issues. But none of that really has anything more to do with the fact that I wanted to say it. What is pertinent is next episode, episode 16 of the show, will uh, I will start covering the Justice Machine Volume 1 as they were put out by Noble Comics. Five issues, so the next five episodes of the show will be talking about the Justice Machine from Noble Comics. If you guys want to send me any feedback, you can feedback me at uh, Teal Productions on Facebook, Teal Productions on Twitter. Teal is T-E-A-L, like the color, both ways. I am Indieman at gmail.com. I-N-D-I-E is Indie. Comicbooknoise.com slash TNC is the website, and that's the letters TNC, Tango November, Charlie. You can leave comments there for me. Um, probably Twitter would be the quickest way, but I'll see any of those ways, and I'll get back to you, include the feedback on the show, whatever is appropriate, depending on what we discuss. Thanks a lot for hanging out uh, for the last 15 episodes. Hopefully, Noble Comics Justice Machine is enough to interest you and myself, at least for the next five episodes. Either way, I will see you next time. Ciao, guys.